0: Welcome back to the podcast. We're here with episode two, and to be honest, neither of us thought we'd even make it this far. Yeah, I thought
1: we were going to be a uh, one and done podcast, but uh, turns out it was
0: it was more than just our, our family and our close friends like we thought. Yeah, no, for me, this is it. I mean, we got a lot of positive feedback. Um, I've looked into dropping out of Hope, dropping out of college, and uh, really going all in on this. I see this as a career path, and, uh, this really could be my big, big, uh, my big break. Yeah, I really hope that, uh,
1: that plan works out for you, but in the meantime, this next episode is, is huge.
0: This next episode, episode two, was bigger than we ever thought this podcast would get.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we, uh, we thought that episode two had to be kind of big, because, I'm sure a lot of you guys are still in the boat of... I don't really know how long this podcast can going to last. I don't know how good it's going to be. You First know, episode might have been boring. You don't know
0: if we're for real, but we're for real.
1: And, and we, we, thought this would, <laughs> we thought this would catch some people's eyes. Um, but what we have for you today... He's a professional athlete. He's a two-time pro bowler. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the game. He's, he's a household name. But, but even more than that, he's, he's just a really good guy. He's a great dude. Uh, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. And you guys are probably wondering how in the world we pulled this off. So, Cam, why don't you tell the listeners how we managed to get this one done?
0: Yeah, so uh, Kirk was actually coached by my dad in middle school. We uh, grew up in the same hometown in Holland, Michigan. Uh, my dad was also his high school principal, as well as the other cousin siblings, and through that I was able to develop a relationship with Kirk's family, his mom and his dad, and you know obviously Kirk himself. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a really cool opportunity to get him on here, ask him some questions about things we've been wondering about, you know, his playing career and even off the field too.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, the Rams and the Vikings had a big Thursday night game last year because I'm a Rams fan. And so, uh, my family and Cam's family went, and it was a game that the Rams won, by the way, sorry, Kirk, but, uh, I remember, like, Cam's brother asked me if I wanted to go meet Kirk after the game, and I'm like, I'm like shook, and I had to take my Rams jersey off after, and we went over to the Vikings family area, and we got to, uh, I got to meet Kirk and we got a picture them. I uh, got to chat it up a little bit with him. Uh, it was super cool and now being able to actually have a, a conversation with him over the phone, it's it's super cool
0: opportunity. And uh, one disclaimer, as we have a high caliber guest coming in, I would like to apologize for the low caliber. Sound quality, potentially, could be good, could be bad, but we're going to have a phone call on speaker being recorded by our mic. So, uh, can't promise that the quality is going to be great, but this is the best we've got, and so uh, just bear with us as we get through this. Before we get started, this episode is sponsored by C2O Pure
1: Coconut Water. C2O is all natural, it's not from concentrate, and contains zero additives or preservatives.
0: I really hope you guys stay hydrated, get that potassium, and enjoy C2O's great taste at your local store today. In a couple comments off the script, I just want to say, even though our relationship with the people over at C2O is young, they're some great people, and they make great quality hydration coconut water. Oh, it's unreal. I mean, I would recommend it for all ages, ranging from infants to whether you're in a nursing home. I think that this this hydration drink, whether you're an athlete or you're sitting behind your desk, is for you.
1: So why don't you guys give them a follow on Instagram, at c 2 Water? and keep an eye out for them at your local store. We will now be back to our regularly scheduled program. We are about to make the phone call. We're dialing them in right now. I'm sweating everywhere. I'm super nervous. I kind of feel like I'm gonna throw up a little bit.
2: Your call has
0: been forwarded okay, cool. to an cool, cool, cool. Voice hey, you didn't system. answer the first time. Six, this good talk. Good talk. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you, Kirk Cousins, for coming on the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We'll we'll uh, try this again here. Maybe give it some time. Yeah, maybe give it a minute. Dude, my heart is beating out of my <laughs> chest right now. I feel it. Dude. No, it's gonna be good. This gonna be good. It's gonna be a, a great interview. All right. We are now getting a call. Hey, what's up, Kirk? Kirk. This is Cam.
2: Hey, sorry, I didn't recognize the number, so I didn't
0: pick up. Oh, no problem. Um, anyway, thanks for doing this. My buddy Lucas is next to me. We went to high school together. How's it going?
2: Good, doing well. Uh, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Great.
0: Cool. Uh,
1: before we start with the questions, we just want to thank you again. I know there's plenty of things you could be doing with your schedule right now, family, football, but we really appreciate you doing this.
2: Yeah, no problem.
0: All right, uh, let's get down to it. Tell the listeners where you grew up.
2: Yeah, I'm from uh, originally Chicago, the Chicago suburbs, northwest side of the city. And when I was in middle school, going into seventh grade, our family moved to uh, to Holland, Michigan, and that's where I then went to middle school and high school. Um, graduated from Holland Christian, and uh, I still say that uh, those six years for me at Holland Christian and growing up in West Michigan were were some of the best years of my life Mm. and so i kind of claim both the chicago suburbs and west michigan as home but uh the longer i go the more it feels like west michigan is is home for me
0: sweet and then uh moving moving uh from one place to another is never easy so what was it like for you as a middle schooler to uh move from chicago to holland how'd you deal with that
2: yeah, it's challenging. All new friends. Uh, I think sports were a big help early on to get to know people and, and make those new friends. Um, but starting over is always tough. And I only had to do it once, thankfully. Uh, mm-hmm. Many kids have to move multiple times. And I don't know how you do that. But uh, I think it was a good experience. Anytime you go through something that stretches you and takes you out of your comfort zone, at first it's really difficult. But when you're finished with it, you look back and you're glad you did it. And it, it made be a more mature person and helped me to see that the world was bigger than just my bubble because I got to live in two different places and understand mm-hmm. that, uh, there's a lot more out there than just where you grew up and where you're from.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I'm sure you lean on your family too. Can you tell the listeners about your family? You know, who's yeah, your I got dude?
2: absolutely got uh, great parents. My mom and dad are, uh, uh, you know, my biggest cheerleaders and biggest supporters and coaches and, uh, my mom uh, is from Iowa, went to the University of Iowa, uh, has been a flight attendant for at least 35 years, maybe 40 years now, has been a flight attendant, and just loves that career, and I don't know if she'll ever retire. And then my dad has been in the ministry all of my life. Uh, he's been a pastor, so I'm a, a PK, a pastor's kid, mm-hmm. and he he pastors a church down in Orlando, Florida, uh, loves what he does, loves the church where he works at, Discovery Church, It's a growing church, a great church. And um, um, between following uh, me around and and, uh, two grandkids, my two boys, Cooper and Turner, and then my wife, Julie, uh, they follow us around and uh, uh, we keep them busy. And I have an older brother and a younger sister. Uh, My brother, Kyle, lives in Orlando as well and is in ministry. And then my sister, Carolyn, is a physician and she lives in Phoenix with her husband. And yeah, we got a growing family. It seems like a lot of change keeps happening, but for the better. You know, I'm gaining family members uh, with kids and uh, in-laws and, and you name it. So it's been fun. But my wife is really the anchor. She does such a good job, Julie. Um, she's from Georgia and I met her uh, eight years ago and uh, we've been married now for almost six years. So that's you know, the, the number one relationship in, in my life, mm-hmm. uh, our marriage, and it's, it's um, been great to have family through the journey.
1: Sweet. Awesome. So you mentioned that sports was a big part in that transition. So uh, when did you get into football? Why did you do it? Maybe some other sports you played?
2: Yeah, I was exposed to all of them, thankfully. My parents put me in everything, golf, basketball, tennis, baseball, soccer, football, even played some know street hockey but um, gravitated to football don't really know why that was the sport we played at recess that was the sport I wished we could play more often and um, just loved it and played it organized for the first time in fourth and fifth grade as a flag football player and then graduate tackle football and when I was in sixth grade and 12 years old and uh, just always had a positive experience was fortunate enough to be on great teams and have great coaches and great teammates and as a result uh, the game just grew on me, and by the time I got to high school, it was easily my favorite sport, and then that just continued all the way through high school.
1: And um, so I know you have a pretty close relationship with Mr. Stahl, and that's how we had the opportunity to do this. Can you talk about uh, kind of how that formed, what, what that relationship is like?
2: Yeah, he really started as Coach Stahl. Uh, he was my seventh grade football coach when we first moved to Holland, Michigan he was my football coach and was the head coach of our team did a great job and uh he deserves a lot of the credit for where I am now on the football field at least he didn't screw it up that's for sure <laughs> so uh uh grateful for his role and then obviously um you know it didn't end as just a football coach in my seventh grade team the relationship continued he ended up being our assistant principal and having a major leadership position at at Holland Christian for our years going through the school and uh uh, as the assistant principal he did handle some of the disciplinary stuff and fortunately I wasn't in his office, his office too often but uh, uh, you know every now and then you found yourself in his office so uh, he did a great job and and uh, so glad that our paths crossed and it's been fun to stay connected through the years now and um, you know being that your family is now out in Southern California whenever we play out there we try to connect and I'm so grateful for the entire Stahl family supporting me through so many years, especially being that uh, Mr. Stahl, Coach Stahl, Troy Stahl is such a Michigan fan. It's uh, pretty <laughs> special that he's cheered me on the way he has.
0: Um, and I just have one follow-up question to the Coach Stahl. Um, I just am curious how you were able to still be successful after having him as a coach.
2: <laughs> well, he he, uh, he didn't screw me up, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, and he ended up you know he didn't coach many more years after that he may have coached one more season if at all I know that the role he then took on at the high school was demanding enough or it was hard to still be involved in coaching but he always kept a close eye on football he he knew more than he let on at times and he really followed it and I could tell talking with him around school when I was you know sophomore junior senior that he was really watching us and, and knew who could play and and uh, I think he was someone who always believed in me and felt like my ceiling on the football field was higher than maybe even I thought it was. Mm. And looking back now, uh, you know he was, he was proven right. And so I have a great respect for the fact that uh, he saw something in me at a time when not a lot of people did.
0: Mm. That's sweet. Um, so middle school, seventh and eighth grade, came and went. And then you're going to high school. Can you tell us a little bit about what was Kirk like in high school? I know you mentioned you had a couple trips (laughs) to the assistant principal's office, but uh, if you want to tell us a little bit more about high school Kirk.
2: I I stayed busy in high school. I was in uh, football in the fall, basketball in the winter, and baseball in the spring, and then my summers were usually a mix of those three sports because in order to make the varsity teams in those sports and and contribute, you really had to be working on them nearly year-round. And so it kept me very well-rounded, kept me very busy. And then I was also in uh, Living Hope Singers, which was a tryout uh, choir where you had to audition for it. And then we performed a lot of numbers around um, different churches around town. So that was a fourth varsity sport, if you will. Uh, You at least got a varsity letter. And so that kept me busy. Obviously academics kept me busy as well. I had a very high standard for myself in the classroom and wanted to do as, as well as I possibly could. So between uh you know school and athletics and the choir um and you know your normal social life in high school I had a great group of friends that are still my closest friends to this day between all that I had uh not only a busy high school experience but a but a an absolute blast and uh I wish I could go back and and live it again not so much because I would live it differently but just because it was so fun and I want to be able to experience so many of those memories again but uh, you don't get to do that, so you just look forward and hope to keep creating those memories as we move forward.
0: Definitely.
1: Um, moving more specifically to football, how did how did the high school playing career go? How did that turn out?
2: Uh, well, it was it has a mix of ups and downs, um, which is really what what life becomes, and so many times in the athletic field, uh, it becomes that way. You know, we started out on a great. Uh, trajectory my freshman year our freshman football team went nine and oh none of us were really pulled up to the jv or the varsity which was fine and it enabled us to kind of develop and play together and also have a lot of success we went undefeated that freshman year which was a blessing and a curse it it kind of gave us excitement for football but it also maybe made us a little too comfortable we thought we were pretty good and then the next year we only won three games and um uh that was tough to take so we kind of took a major step back as a jv team and then my junior year we were hoping to kind of get back to our form as freshmen and and then our first year on the varsity have a big year but uh ended up again having a tough year i believe we only won three games again i broke my ankle and missed about a good two-thirds of the season and that hurt me in recruiting and i remember thinking about how missing so much time during my junior year was going to be a major detriment to my ability to play college football, so much so that I didn't think it was going to be possible to get a college scholarship, and my dad reminded me that uh, you have to trust the Lord. He has a plan for your life. It may or may not involve football, but a broken ankle is not going to stop God's plans for your life, and uh, I certainly have learned the truth of that as I look back, but uh, thanks for my senior year, as the Lord would have it. Had a great year, stayed healthy. Uh, had a lot of momentum in the off season between my junior and my senior year to get my name out there and start to get recruited and a lot was riding on my senior year and by staying hell and staying healthy and playing well as a team uh, we won seven games got to the playoffs for the first time and uh, that was a, a special season a special team and while we didn't win a state title or do anything of great importance the memories and, and the guys I played with will last forever and I still say that those Friday night games, as a varsity football player, are probably the most fun I've ever had playing the game of football, and that includes, you know, some pretty big stages I've been able to play on. Nothing's nothing is quite like uh, those Friday night lights.
1: Nothing beats it. So, at what point, or if this point ever really happened, did you know uh, that okay, I, I could I could go somewhere with this? I, I can I could play at the next level, or even beyond that.
2: Well, I kind of allowed other people's opinions to dictate you know, what was possible, which is good and bad. You know, I think I was realistic and felt like if I didn't get a scholarship offer, that, melt, that meant that I wasn't good enough. And if I did get one, that meant that I had a shot. So for a while, I wasn't getting a lot of interest. Uh, and if there was interest, nobody was willing to take that big step and offer me a spot on their team. So I just assumed it meant that there were better players out there. And And that I didn't deserve it and I was okay with that if I wasn't good enough I had to be willing to accept that but uh, at the last minute kind of the 11th hour uh, Michigan State had a spot open up and they uh, started looking at me and and really based off of watching me at a high school basketball practice decided they would offer me a scholarship and so I was very fortunate within only a few days maybe a week before signing day uh, I was able to get a scholarship and I committed quickly so that the coaches couldn't change their mind and um michigan state was such a great fit for me the location the academics the program itself it was just a really good fit and i knew then that that the lord had really carved out a path for me to go there but looking back now i could see even more how much his hand was guiding and protecting and providing for me to get me to michigan state at -hmm. the time and with the coaches i'd be able to work with it was such a great fit
0: awesome so uh, next question, Lucas and I kind of just went through this ourselves with the transition to college. What were the highs and lows of that for you, and how did that look for you going into college from high school?
2: Yeah, college is a big adjustment. It takes um, uh, quite a bit of um, you know a willingness to accept change, much like our move from Chicago to Michigan in middle school. It's very similar. I started completely – from the beginning again you know I I didn't have any high school friends who went to Michigan State and stayed close with me there were only a couple students in our graduating class that were students at Michigan State but the school was so big with 30,000 students I rarely ever saw them if at all so all new friends on the football team a whole new culture and way of doing things and change is always difficult but again it was it stretched me and it made me a stronger person a better person and um well I, I, it was tough to go through it was it was well worth it
0: okay and then part of that transition was balancing your classwork with being a division one football player tell us about that yes
2: being a student athlete is just a part of the journey um you know in high school I had to do it and I think college was just more the same sometimes if you cut corners in high school and teachers let you get away with cutting corners then college can be a tough wake-up call but for me in high school I was given everything I had to academics I was given everything I had to sports and college was just a very natural transition to keep doing that I think the people who have struggled with it on our team were guys who in high school hadn't really given the effort to one or the other Mm -hmm. and um, thankfully I was well prepared from that standpoint Um, I think for me the challenge was going from a school where I was with about 800 900 kids in the school to being at a school with 30,000 you know that yeah. was a big change just the feel and, and realizing you're just you're just one of many mm-hmm. in a sea of a sea of college
1: students and uh, kind of a similar question to the high school one what did the what did the college football career look like and is there is there a big moment that really stands out to you still to this day
2: <laughs> well I've just been so grateful for so much of my college experience. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be around great coaches. Uh, coach Antonio, is our head coach, but his entire staff. I had continuity among coaches. Uh, my quarterback coach, Dave Warner, was, this, was the quarterback coach all five of my years at Michigan State, which I think was a big help to have that consistency, and he was a great coach. Uh, Brian Hoyer, who's had a 12-plus year NFL career, was the starter uh, ahead of me so I got to watch someone play who was very capable who could play the position the way a great quarterback should play it and to be able to sit and watch for two years and see what that should look like was a great benefit to me then when it became my turn to play also had a great deal of competition between a guy named Nick Foles who is now a Super Bowl MVP um, and a world champion you know he and I competed so that also gave me uh, a challenge and pushed me to be the best I could be. And then when, when he transferred Keith nickel was someone I competed with as well, who was extremely talented. Um, So there was a lot of variables that helped push me and develop me between coaches and teammates into the best quarterback I could be. And then we played on good teams. I had great players around me. Le'Veon Bell is probably one of the most recognizable names that I got to play with, but there are many others. And uh, as a quarterback, as a football player, it's so important that you have great players around you. And I did. And so all of that kind of came together to make for a very special experience. We won a lot of games. Uh, my last two seasons there, we were able to go undefeated at home, double digit wins. Both of both of those seasons, we were able to win four straight against our rival Michigan okay. uh, to coach stalls, to coach stalls dismay.
1: Yeah, and,
2: right. uh, and then, uh, we won a bowl game there. My last year, uh, my final game in triple overtime. So, They were all special. I think maybe the Hail Mary that we completed to beat Wisconsin uh, on a primetime game my senior year was a special memory um, beating Notre Dame at home on an overtime Uh, fake field goal was special. Um, But really the memories that stick with you are the relationships with the teammates and the laughs that you had at those workouts in February and March. You know, the whole journey was was so fun and it wasn't easy, but it was special.
0: So college ended well, ended on a big win against Georgia. NFL draft is coming up after your senior year. And uh, tell us about how the draft went for you. What was the experience like?
2: Yeah, the draft was, um, you know, a a dream come true to even be in the conversation. You know, you, you follow that in so many sports leagues, you know, players getting drafted. And so the chance to even have a phone call come your way that the team would pick you is a, is a special moment. And so I, I knew I wasn't going to be a first-round pick, uh, but I knew just being drafted in of itself would be special. And I got the call from the Redskins in the fourth round. Mike Shanahan was the head coach at the time, a, a likely Hall of Fame coach. So to get that call from him and say that he wanted me on his team was a big deal. And, again, yeah. I look back and see how special it it was to have Mike Shanahan coach me and the staff that he had at the time has now gone on to produce several head coaches in this league. And so I was, again, just like college, very fortunate to be around those coaches at that time. I think it had a big impact on my development as a player. It was a unique selection because the Redskins had also drafted Robert Griffin with the second overall pick in the draft. And so you would think the quarterback position was set at that point Yet. For whatever reason, they still picked me in the fourth round, and so it was a bit of a head-scratcher even for myself. But then when I got there and realized the coaches and the great players I was going to be able to work with, I was so thankful I had gone there. And uh, I knew it was going to be a marathon, not a sprint. It was going to take time to develop into a legitimate pro quarterback. So I wasn't in a hurry, and I was content to just learn as much as I could from some really good people around me.
0: Definitely. So
1: uh, now you're with the team, what, what is that what is that jump like from from college to the NFL? What are, what are some of the biggest differences now that you're, you're a pro?
2: Well, I felt like my freshman year of college was probably more challenging than my rookie year in the pros. I felt like college had prepared me well for what the pro game would be, both mentally, uh, physically. Yes, it is a step up. There's no doubt about that. And everything's new again, so you do have a learning curve. But... I do feel that I was well-prepared and had a foundation that I could bank on or work from in order to take the necessary steps. But, you know, the game's just a little bit faster, and it's not just the physical, but you got smart players, and, and they've seen a lot of football in their time. So it's just a little more difficult to fool a defensive back or a linebacker. They're just not going to take the cheese as, as easily, and so um, they also are playing faster in part because they're just smarter and they're going to recognize things quicker and so that chess match starts to really uh, take on a new meaning. And um, and and so you just continue to learn and you bank these reps and you use every experience you have to become a better player. And that includes, you know, mistakes you make, interceptions you throw, bad reads. You just learn from them. And, and as you keep stacking those experiences on time after time and get more reps, you believe that uh, eventually it'll click. And, and I believe over time it did.
1: So you mentioned uh, RG three also got drafted. He kills it his rookie year. Uh, how do you how do you stay motivated behind a guy like that? What are some of the uh, struggles that, that come with that?
2: Well, I thought it was a thrill first of all to be able to watch someone who was rookie of the year first on the Pro Bowl. You know, first ballot in the Pro Bowl. Um, it was one of the better players in the league. To get to be in that room every day with him, watch him was a great help to me to see what it should look like and then also um to be around the coaches and learn from them and I knew that from day one you know Washington likely wasn't going to be the spot for me to have a playing career because of Robert's presence and so I was ready for my uh opportunity to come you know elsewhere and I knew that if I were to play well in the preseason or in backup duty from time to time that that could uh, put me on alert to the rest of the league to then have an opportunity down the road in year three, four, five, whatever it may be. So I just viewed whatever opportunity I would get as very important for me to, to display, uh, my ability to play and, uh, and know that if I did that, I would get a chance. Um, so it really became a a surprise when the opportunity ended up being in Washington. I didn't see it being in Washington, but, um, but that was where it ended up happening.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you said it. So uh, there's a lot of years of uncertainty in Washington between franchise tags and free agency year after year. What was going through your mind during those years?
2: Well, you had a lot of things to process, and there were a lot of times phone calls to family members to talk through it. But um, I had to remind myself of a few things. One, being able to play for Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Uh, Matt LaFleur was a tremendous blessing early in my career and then when they were let go uh, while that was very disappointing to then be coached by Jay Gruden, Sean McVay, Matt Cavanaugh they were very impactful as well and so that was six names that had a a tremendous impact on my career and if one of those six is not in the picture I may not be where I am today so uh, all that time uh, developing myself uh, as a player, and that involved, you know, in the in the background as a backup, and then also when I did play, having struggles. I remember one of my first games I played, and I threw four interceptions in the game, and uh, those are not fun moments. You know, those are those are tough to take, but I still had a lot to learn, and I, I took my lumps and and grew through it. And uh, Coach Shanahan had a great line that tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I just felt that if I stayed the course, chose to be mentally tough and emotionally tough and keep going and keep working, that eventually uh, I would play in such a way that I would last and have staying power. And that's exactly what happened. And it wasn't easy. There were days where I thought maybe I, I wasn't good enough and needed to walk away. But you have to fight that and keep going. And um, because of that, I think it's why I'm on the phone call with you right now and still <laughs> able to you know, have a, a bit of a football story to tell.
0: Yeah, Um, so then another year free agency rolls around, and you end up in Minnesota. From a football standpoint, why did you end up in Minnesota, not any of those other landing points? They they talked about Denver and New York. Why Minnesota? Well,
2: first of all, I had a very good uh, six years in Washington. It was tough to leave, and to this day, we still miss so much of our life in Northern Virginia and the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, And so that was a special six years for us. But then um, moving to Minnesota, you know, we did have a few different teams that were interested and were in the conversation. But uh, when we looked at the full picture, we just felt that uh, all that mattered was winning football games. And so we, we had to go to the place that we felt gave us the best chance to win and to win quickly. And we felt that was Minnesota. It just doesn't mean that the other teams weren't going to win. Uh, but we just felt like of the, those teams, Minnesota was our best opportunity to join a really strong winning uh, team. And uh, and so after two seasons there, you know, we, we couldn't be happier with our decision. We're so grateful that that's where we ended up. And we feel very good about our locker room, uh, our coaches, uh, our, our owners, our facility. There's just a lot of positives about our team. And, um, you know, we're thrilled to be Minnesota Vikings and to be able to Live in Minnesota and make that home.
1: And uh, you've had a, a great couple of years in Minnesota so far, but um, there was there was this kind of narrative going around that oh he can't he can't win the big game stuff like this. And you seem to have have broke that, taking down Drew Brees in the playoffs this year. Did you ever hear that narrative? Did that ever get to you? How do you how do you handle that?
2: Well, it is pretty hard to insulate yourself so much that you never hear anything I think in reality you're going to hear things but you also have to say you know garbage in garbage out I'm not going to dwell on it or believe it um and if anything you know you just say I got to go play in such a way that 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 eventually that will change and um you know I think as long as you're playing quarterback in this league there's going to be criticism there's going to be uh narratives that talk about what you can't do or what you're not going to do. And I don't know of anyone that's immune to that. I think Tom Brady may be the greatest quarterback of all time, and and he still faces criticism from time to time. So, um, you know, I just understand that that's part of the deal. Uh, You take the good with the bad, and there's a lot of good that comes with playing quarterback in the NFL. If there's some added pressure or some finger pointing that goes with that, that's a part of the the deal. And, um, you know, I try to focus on all the positives of the job and, uh, and then certainly, you know, you want to go out there and win those big games. And, and when you do, um, you know, hopefully be able to, uh, you know, be a part of some really teams and some really special games.
1: Yeah, and it seems like you guys uh, continue to get better and better every year. Uh, Vikings are serious NFC contenders. Um, so what can we spe- expect from you guys uh, in the coming years?
2: You know, there's so much turnover every year, and it seems like while you have your core group of players, and we certainly have a core group returning, uh, there are going to be so many new players who become key contributors, and we have to really hit that reset button every spring and get to know our new locker room, get young players up to speed uh, after the draft, get the rookies up to speed. Because many times you know winning those close games and getting to where you want to be in January and even February comes down to those players stepping up that people weren't expecting a lot from. and uh, that development of those players is so important. Um, so I'm looking forward to that journey and um, can't wait to get started here hopefully in a few weeks unless things get suspended with the uh, with the, the virus.
1: Yeah, uh, moving away from football a little bit and more towards your personal life. Cam told me that you have a super cool story of how you met your wife. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, our um, our moms have a mutual friend. Our families did not know each other, but but we had a, a, a friend that we shared. who knew both of our families, and she just felt that God had put on her heart that we needed to meet, and so it was something that she prayed about, and uh, uh, Julia prayed about for uh, a while leading up to us actually meeting and then uh it ended up that um our paths crossed so we were able to meet and uh and she caught my eye and uh after i was drafted to washington julie was living in, in atlanta at the time uh we, i went down on a date took her out in atlanta just to get to know her and then we kind of dated long distance and then uh after dating for about a year and a half, maybe two years, we got engaged and uh, and got married, so um, I'm so grateful for that family friend, you know, following a nudge that she felt from the Lord, and, and uh, kind of telling both of our families about uh, the other, and and then from there, you know, just kind of leading us to each other, and and now uh, guiding us through this, this marriage journey, but uh, we're coming up on six years, and it's been a great six years of marriage, and um, you know it's you look back now again like so many other parts of my journey and you just see the, the hand of God but also um, the importance of picking the right person and, and being the right person and uh, there are a few decisions in life more important than you know who you marry and that's certainly a decision where you want God to be at the center of it and um, I look back and I'm so glad that he really was through the journey
0: so uh, getting married is one thing. Let's talk about your boys. What's it like? What's it like being a dad? <laughs> it's hard work. It
2: keeps me busy, and uh, it's fun to have boys. Uh, they're very close in age; they're only a year and a half apart, so that keeps us busy. Uh, Turner is a year old, and Cooper is two and a half. Mm. Um, you know, they're still figuring things out. I don't really know yet quite how God has wired them or what their personalities are going or What activities they're going to want to be into, so I'm just kind of enjoying, you know, being there, being present, uh, making sure that they know I love them to death and uh, uh, would do anything for them, and uh, I just want to spend a lot of quality time with them, especially in the off season. So, um, you know, they they do change your life. Kids, kids have, a, you know, a way of uh, demanding a lot of time and energy, but uh, I, I suspect it'll be well worth it to invest in them, and I look forward to you know the years ahead as they grow and develop and just being a part of that journey
1: yeah and uh... how do you how do you balance uh, maintaining your family life and spending uh... quality time with them with your nfl schedule and the traveling and all that comes with it well we
2: just establish a routine and we kind of work from that routine so we we know you know if it's a sunday to sunday schedule with games you know what our monday and tuesday and wednesday and and so on are going to look like so Julie knows at certain times of the day, at certain days of the week, you know, I'm going to be busy and I won't be able to help with the boys or be around the house, but there are also other times of the week where she knows I am going to be available and I am going to be around. So we try to block out those times where I'm off and resting and and we try to really, um, you know, protect them so that they don't get uh, inundated with requests or, uh, you know, football commitments. And I think as long as you protect those windows of time, you know, for us, it's Tuesday uh, most of the day, and then also Friday evenings. And Tuesday kind of becomes our Sabbath, our off day, and and we take full advantage of that and take twenty four hours off away from work. And I think that's been great for our marriage and for our family. And you know, we work really hard for six days of the week, but that seventh for us is is meant to be, uh, you know, a Sabbath and a day of rest and to recharge the batteries for the next stretch of six days.
0: Definitely, that's uh, cool stuff. Now. Next topic is probably the most important to you. One of the things that my brothers and I have always admired about you is, even with, you know, the success and the fame and money, you've always kept your faith number one. So I'm, I'm just curious, when, at what age did your faith become a priority? Or the number one priority?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, you know, the gospel is the this foundation of my life. It, you know, I live a gospel-centered life, so... Um, you know, when I was, I believe, seven or eight years old, I remember my dad explained to me that, you know, Jesus Christ uh, came to this earth as fully God and fully man and lived a sinless life and then died as payment for my sin, which then him resurrecting from the dead, you know, defeated, defeated sin and death once and for all. And then as a result, when I allow him into my life, he then covers for my sin and I can have a relationship with God and that lasts for eternity. And all I had to do was to accept that free gift of a relationship with Him, and uh, I prayed that prayer when I was seven or eight years old, and accepted that. And obviously, it uh, uh, you know is a big moment, but at the same time, at seven or eight years old, there's only so much you can understand about it. So it's kind of a, a uh, an ongoing commitment you have to make to walk with God as you're growing up. And I remember in high school, really being challenged with that of First uh, John two six in the Bible, which says. Uh, Those who claim to be in him must walk as Jesus walked. And, uh, you know, that hit me that uh, I could claim to be a Christian, but does my walk, does my life, my actions really look like that of Jesus? And, And so I kind of made a decision there halfway through high school that I'm going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And that may mean that it's going to cost me something. I might lose something as a result of choosing Jesus over that thing but I'm gonna do that and that's what a fully devoted follower does and that's what someone who claims to be in him and wants to walk the walk is gonna do and I think that was a big moment a big decision you know when you're in your teenage years to make that commitment and uh, that's really my message to young people wherever I go is to not just be a fan of Jesus but to truly be a follower understanding that that may cost you something at some point and if it does that's okay, and that's part of what it means to be a Christian, and to be willing to uh, give up that thing, or to, or to, uh, you know, have it cost you something, and really for it to be an honor, uh, in order to follow Him.
1: So you're on a, a huge platform; you've got a lot of people looking up to you. How do you use uh, that platform to share your faith?
2: Well, I think it needs to come out naturally, so I I try not to. You know, be overly preachy. I think as long as it's something that's genuine, then um, you know, I, I enjoy being able to share my story. It's hard for me to tell my story without bringing up my faith because it is the foundation, it is the most basic part, and so uh, it just tends to naturally come out of, of me because it's who I am, and and uh, it's it's where it all begins and ends. So, you know, I I, I like to engage people, build relationships, and hopefully get the opportunity to share my faith and and, in, and in, engage them on that, um, you know, invite them to different gatherings, Bible studies, prayer times, and just invite people and encourage them to attend, and then the ball is in their court, and they can come or not come if they want to, so um, just trying to create opportunities to, to uh, share my faith, discuss it, and, and hopefully, um, you know, bring other people towards, Towards the gospel and to take another step closer to Jesus, which all of us, you know, really should be trying to do and, and we're all trying to do, those of us who are Christians, and it's the best decision you'll ever make.
0: Definitely. Um an NFL locker room is, you know, not a notoriously Christian setting. So is it difficult or not difficult to maintain your uh your faith in a locker room and what are the struggles that come with that, if there are any?
2: Well, I think it's like any other environment that's secular. You're going to have a mixed bag. Uh, there's have always been guys walking with the Lord in the locker room. I've never been the only one. Um, but you also get a mixed bag. You're going to get people of other faiths. You're going to get people who don't have a faith. You're going to get people who are seeking and interested and people who aren't interested. And so it's a very diverse group, and it's kind of always been that way. But... Uh, You never want to do anything that would be divisive or, uh, you know, cause a problem in the locker room that that would affect the team in a negative way. So um, you just want to be a great teammate and really shine your light and share your faith in a way that, uh, you know, makes you a a really good teammate, a selfless teammate and and a, a great football player. And I think one of the best ways for me to To share my faith is to be a great football player, be a hard worker, be a selfless teammate. And I can, you know, live that out every day without even saying a word uh, to show people what it looks like to be a Christian.
1: Mm. So what has football specifically taught you about your faith? And even flip side of that, how has your faith impacted your football career?
2: Yeah, they go hand in hand. I don't know that I would be where I am playing football now, going in my ninth year in the NFL, if not for my walk with God. I think my walk with God has sustained me through so much and so many, you know, discouraging moments through the journey. Um, and so it's a it's a big big part of my football. I also do think that foot, God has used football as a tool to teach me more about Him, to teach me more about what it means to walk with Him, and. Uh, I often wonder if the reason God's path for me was to be an NFL quarterback is because he knew it would keep me close to him because so many days I feel inadequate and I find myself really because of playing football driven to the Lord as a refuge and driven to him to gain strength and help and comfort because there's really nowhere else I can turn and I often wonder if Lord you put me in this position because you knew it would drive me to you and you want me to be driven to you and so that's the the career you gave me, and, uh, and, you know, I think that's a, that's a healthy thing, so uh, it's, for me, it's just been a really, uh, really challenging journey, but also a very uh, healthy healthy journey in, in terms of all that the Lord has taught me
0: through it. Sweet, and then uh, one more question regarding your faith, my, uh, my dad refers to him as the Don, but other other than your dad are there any spiritual mentors that stick out to you
2: sure you know I've been fortunate through the years to have them uh, you know at Holland Christian you know your dad would certainly be one but there were so many great teachers and coaches there who spoke into my life spiritually and had an impact uh, Ray Vanderlaan is a Bible teacher uh, had a great impact but uh, in college, you know, I had older teammates, Justin Kershaw is one who comes to mind, who just walked the walk, set an example, uh, led in a way that was very Christ-like, and it had a big impact on the way that then I acted and I led. And uh, I kind of observed and watched him and then tried to, uh, you know, reflect that in the way I went about my business, and then, um, you know, even going to the pros, same thing, older players, but then also, you know, whether it was chaplains, you know, we had a great chaplain in Washington and Brett Fuller, a great chaplain in Minnesota with Tom Lance They both have spoken into my life quite a bit. And, um, uh, you know, I even have mentors here in West Michigan when I'm home and, uh, the conversation many times goes to the spiritual and we understand that, you know, you can be a great football player, you can be a great money manager, a great, uh, whatever it may be in life that you want to do. But ultimately all that matters is were you a strong disciple of Jesus and were you growing closer to him? And if you weren't doing that and you accomplished all the other stuff, uh, it's not really going to matter. But if you were getting closer to Jesus and you were a fully devoted follower of him and taking steps towards him every day of your life, uh, whether you were great at the other stuff, isn't going to matter either because that's really all that matters. And uh, my family's impressed that on me from a young age and also the other people I surround myself with, and I'm grateful for that.
0: Sweet. Um, This is the last section. I'm going to explain it. We're kind of thinking of doing like a rapid fire. We're going to fire off, I think we've got 12 questions, and we just want the first answer that pops into your head. We're going to go through this real quick.
1: Great. I'll do my best.
0: Alright, if not football,
1: what would you be doing?
2: I likely would have gone to medical school and then realized that wasn't for me (laughs) and tried to get into business.
1: (laughs) Uh, Favorite meal of all time? I like
2: steak with twice-baked potatoes finished off with blueberry pie. Uh,
1: Favorite football memory?
2: Beating Greenville in overtime in 2006 as a senior at Holland Christian.
1: Uh, favorite team and player growing up? I was a college football
2: fan more than a pro football fan growing up. And my uh, mom had gone to Iowa. So I was a fan of the 2002 Iowa Hawkeyes. Won the Big Ten. And... Uh, My favorite player on that team would probably be the quarterback Brad Banks. But there was another player on Iowa named Tim Dwight a few years earlier, and he was probably one of my favorite players ever to watch. Every time he touched the football, he gave the threat that he could score, which was fun.
1: A coach that stands out to you?
2: Pro, Like a distant coach or someone that coached me?
1: Uh, We'll go someone that coached you.
2: Someone that coached you? Well, I mean, I'm – probably politically obligated to say Troy Stahl
1: oh
0: please no no no, no, no. You, you can put him uh, at the bottom
2: you know I think uh, I think my dad comes to mind as a coach because uh, he did coach my my teams and, and his presence and involvement had a big impact you know Sam Nichols was a high school coach of mine that was very involved and in helped me get to where I am now um, Dave Warners I mentioned earlier on the podcast he coached me for five years as a quarterback coach had a big impact on my life but the name I'm gonna say is Mike Shanahan. He drafted mm-hmm. me and has uh, been uh, a bit of a father figure to me when it comes mm-hmm. to football over my pro career. So I would say Mike's, Mike's probably the name that most comes to mind.
1: And uh, maybe some teammates that stick out to you. Oh man, I've been fortunate
2: to play with some good ones. And uh, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell is a special player. I think he's one of the best football players in the world. Um, so grateful to be able to play with him in college. Um, you know, in the pros, I have had a lot of great players around me. Trent Williams is a left tackle, is one of the better players I'll ever get to play with. Um, Dalvin Cook as a running back, is special. Adam Thielen is, is a receiver, is special. Um, I love Eric Hendricks, our middle linebacker. I think he's he's a very underrated football player. Harrison Smith, much the same way in safety. So... I love, I love being around talent and great football players, and uh, I certainly have been able to be around that for many years.
1: And the worst hit you ever took?
2: The worst hit I ever took? Uh, Alabama in the Capital One Bowl at the end of the 2010 season, I got hit in the back in the second half and left the game. One of the few games I wasn't able to finish. And uh, that was by Courtney Upshaw, and he put his helmet right in my back, and it was a lot like being in a car accident with the whiplash that you get
0: <laughs> all right i'm up scariest defender in the nfl right now
1: oh man i'm a rams fan kirk so i i think yeah, I, I know I think, your I think
2: aaron, answer aaron, aaron donald is pretty dominant because <laughs> as good a name as any
0: okay favorite music genre and artist i
2: like um like alternative rock, I don't love the super poppy music, but you know, uh, alternative stuff that that still has a good melody. Switchfoot's kind of my favorite artist of all time, but I could also throw in Matt Carney, Ben Rector. Uh, those are some of the other ones I like.
0: All right, thoughts on Tom Brady being a Buccaneer?
2: Strange. Um, yeah, I thought for sure he'd be back in New England just because of uh, all the history and and you know why not finish there, but. Uh, uh, I'm sure that he's going to go into Tampa and do what what he's done for 20 years, and that's play at a high level. And, uh, you know, it's tough when a great player like that goes from the AFC to the NFC because the neighborhood just got a lot tougher.
0: Yeah. Um, Favorite hobby outside of football?
2: Uh, That's a good close. I love to read biographies. Um, So I would say that's one. Golf Playing golf is a lot of fun for me. I enjoy doing that. And um, those are probably the two best that come to
0: mind. Um, okay, next one. Since being in the NFL, coolest person you met, as in like a celebrity or someone like that?
2: Yeah, um, I got to play golf with the president, so that's hard to beat. Um, but, you know, at different Super Bowl events, uh, a lot of NFL players go down to Super Bowl week, even if they're not playing the game, and you end up running into a lot of different people uh, who you never thought you'd meet, a basketball players, baseball players. Mm. business figures and um, it's fun to run into them and if you get the chance to be able to just ask them questions and learn a little bit
0: yeah. and then last one all time favorite bible verse you know my life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and
2: 6 which says trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps and I've just held on to that my whole life especially through my football journey, Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some moments up ahead where I'm going to really lean on it need to lean on it Um, but I've just learned the truth of that verse as I've lived through my football career now over the last 15 years and um, you know it was when I broke that ankle as a 17 year old in high school and um, you know my dad reminded me of that verse and that I was gonna have to trust him and not rely on what I thought was best but trust that he had a plan and allow him to direct my steps and he has certainly done that and done it in a way that you know went far beyond anything I thought was possible so I hold on to that verse, and I'm going to keep holding on to that verse, and it's it's become my listeners.
0: That's awesome, Kirk. Well, thank you for your time. Um, we really appreciate it. Enjoy your time being home with the family, and uh, good luck preparing this off season. You know, you got people out here in California rooting for you. Thank you very much.
2: Oh, I appreciate that, guys. Thank you for the time. Those were great questions. Uh, I think it's outstanding that you're taking the time to do this, and uh, I'm honored you would ask me to be on. I wish you all the best, and, um, you know, I, I think you guys are, are on a great path. So I'm in your corner, and if I can ever be of any help, let me know. But uh, I think the world of the Stunnel family, and wish you guys all the best.
0: Thank you so much, Greg. All right, we'll see you. See, see ya, <gasps> Dude, he likes the podcast. <laughs> He's in. He's in. He's in on the po- He loves the podcast. let yes. oh. do it. woo That was sweet. That was sweet. Dude. All right, guys. We took a quick break to settle down. We've calmed down. Our heart rates are normal again. But, yeah, we really hope you enjoyed episode two. It was a really special one. Thank you again to Kirk for taking the time. Episode three is on the way. We decided every Friday we're going to try to release a new podcast. Tune in for that next week, Friday. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Lucas, anything? Nothing. Okay. (laughs) See you later.